episode 94 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. The Knicks this week, how about this? Four wins in a row for the Knicks. We'll break it all down this week as well. Might get into some NBA news as well. And, and... I think we got to play another stock up, stock down. Looking around the NBA as well. Will the Knicks feature this week in stock up, stock down? You'll have to tune in later to find out. We'll do it second half of the show this week. Hope you guys are doing well, obviously. Hope you guys are getting vaccinated. Hope you're staying safe out there. Bit of personal news. As I did last year, I'm going to be back down in Florida for work. Maybe, you know, how things are, you know, again, Florida's not looking so great right now with the pandemic. Uh, It's continuing to uh, not be great down there. But depending on how things shake out, you know, maybe later in my time down there, I'm going to be down there for a long time for maybe about six months this time around for work. So we'll see if things are looking a little bit better, a little bit brighter. Maybe by the end of my time down there, I might be able to go to a sporting event or two. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not not going to bank on that, obviously. But if I do, obviously I'm going to try to cover it as best I can. So I'm looking forward to it, um, down there as well at the time, for the time being for the, for you guys that know what I did last year, um, it's going to be more soccer coverage in a studio. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to the podcast. We'll continue to go on while I'm down in Florida, looking forward to seeing more of those heat fans down there as well. And depending on how the playoffs shake up, who knows the Knicks might be down there as well. So I'll be looking forward to that if that is what ends up taking place. But let's dive into the Knicks week first and foremost. A lot of positives. Obviously, last week was a was a bit of a week where the Knicks came under some criticism. You know, on this show, we talked about the crossroads the Knicks had entered. They haven't really silenced those critics. They didn't really play any of those upper echelon teams this week, but the Knicks more than took care of business this week and really made up a lot of ground in the standings. And I, and I thought really, I think, yeah, they made a statement as far as, you know, the Knicks are not going to back down. They're going to continue to fight. They're going to continue to show you that they're not only a playoff team, but potentially a contender as well. But I think on top of that, they gained some of their confidence back. And the Knicks went, you know, on a, on a tear, winning four straight. Knicks play again as the podcast goes out uh, tomorrow as I'm recording on the Thursday now. 9.30 against the Mavericks. That's a game I think that could tell us a lot. Obviously, Luka's coming off another miraculous buzzer beater. That that shot, and I, and I still can't get over how he got that off. The, the, the Luka floater three at the buzzer. I mean, Chris Chioza, eat your heart out. It was incredible. Uh remarkable shot to beat the Grizzlies in Memphis. So the Mavericks are riding a bit of a high and the Knicks are too. Knicks have won four in a row. They're back within a half game of Boston, not only obviously in the Atlantic, but in the Eastern Conference standings. And I think the Knicks did two things to help their playoff cause this week. One, they made up ground on the Celtics. That was huge. I think the Knicks really had to uh, close the gap on on the Celtics. Now, listen, the Celtics have not been world beaters in any sense 
this year. But the Celtics now have also won four in a row, and the Knicks had to stick to make up and keep pace with them. And they did that this week. I think that was really crucial that the Knicks were able to do that. And number two, and more importantly, really, the Knicks put some distance again between themselves and the Toronto Raptors. That's the team right now the Knicks need to keep an eye on because that's the team that's on the outside looking in for the playoffs. Obviously, the Knicks would love to be in the sixth spot. They'd love to avoid that first round play-in. But right now, the top 10 teams from each conference get in. And the 11th team in the East right now are the Toronto Raptors. They're only a game back of that 10th spot currently occupied by the Chicago Bulls, who are going through a rough time right now at the moment. And they've closed the gap to one game on the Bulls, who went all in at the trade deadline. And it so far is not looking great for them at the moment. We'll get to them possibly, who knows, stock up, stock down. We might dive a little bit further into them later on in the show. But now the Knicks are ahead of the Heat by half a game. Heat have lost two in a row during this four-game Knicks winning streak. And the Knicks now are, as of the time of recording, six games up on the Toronto Raptors. That's huge. With about a month of the season left, the Knicks are in pole position now to make the playoffs. They've put themselves in a fantastic position to make the playoffs. Raptors are really, you know, again, they, they won the other night, but overall, the Raptors have been struggling this season, particularly, particularly on the road. They're nine games under 500 on the road this season, and one of the four wins this week for the Knicks came against the Raptors at home. So that was a massive victory to pick up. But let's start with the Grizzly win. I should say the win against the Grizzlies at home. Crazy game goes to overtime. Knicks had a, you know, really had to kind of claw it back. I got all these Grizzly puns, but the, the Knicks had to really claw this one back in the fourth quarter. You know, for a while there, it did kind of look like the Knicks were going to let it slip a little bit in this game. But they were able to, you know, kind of get a little bit of a gut check, pull it back. And listen, Memphis started out very strong, took a 12-point lead in the second quarter. But slowly, the Knicks kind of chipped away at that deficit. And they won the last three quarters, but it was the fourth quarter where the Knicks really clawed it back, overcame a seven-point deficit, forced overtime and, and then really again in the f- in the first or well, I should say in the overtime period the Knicks showed showed me a lot I I really felt like because you know, again the Grizzlies are a team in the West that's expecting to to be around in this playoff hunt but they've shown that they can win on the road four games above 500 heading in, heading into this game on the road and listen Tyus Jones made some big shots in the fourth, I think the largest lead that Memphis had in the fourth was nine points, or check that, 11 points, and then the Knicks slowly but surely grinded it to a halt, and despite, you know, again, midway through the fourth, Memphis looking like they were going to pull away, and part of me, they actually had a 13-point lead at one point, a Grayson Allen three-pointer with 6-10 to go, Gave them a 13-point lead. So part was actually worse than I thought. 13-point Memphis lead. But R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Julius Randle, all making big shots down the stretch. 
And then Alec Burks made a couple of big free throws, I thought, with just under two minutes to go to get it back to four. And even with under a minute to go, you're kind of thinking, you know, who's going to make who's going to make a play here? Who's going to come up and make a big play? And in the end, R.J. Barrett gets fouled with 37 seconds left, makes three huge free throws to tie the game. Then Jonas Valanciunas on the other end makes and then misses a free throw as John Morant did with 26 seconds left. So again, Memphis leaves a couple of free throws on the rim. R.J. Barrett again with eight seconds left. I I mean, just a clutch driving layup. Doing what he does best, gets to the 10, puts in a huge layup, sends it to overtime after, of course, the Knicks do have to get a big stop. John Morant misses a floating layup at the buzzer. And we go to overtime. And in overtime, again, the Knicks really, you know, from the off had to fight back again. But Julius Randle makes a clutch three with 3.46 to go in the overtime. And then Alec Burks with a huge three, I thought, with 3.12 left. From that point on, the Knicks did not trail. R.J. Barrett made another big three with 1.15 to go to give the Knicks the lead after it was tied. And then the huge two-point jumper from Alec Burks. And we'll be talking about him a lot. I feel like, today. Goodness, a huge cold-blooded two with 26 seconds to go. 129-124 at that time. Memphis, again, did not stop fighting, but two huge, quickly free throws. Basically put it out of reach, despite a Dylan Brooks three. And then, just to make sure, with 1.2 left on the clock, Alec Burks put the icing on the cake. 133-129. Alec Burks in the fourth quarter and overtime. R.J. Barrett in the fourth quarter. And big free throws and plays for Emmanuel Quickly and Julius Randle. Clutch, you know, gut check kind of win against a team that's expecting to make the playoffs in the West. I was really impressed with the Knicks' performance in that game. Set up a big game against the Raptors game I I thought the Knicks really had to get you know the Raptors are that team right now that are on the outside looking in you're trying to stay as far away from them as possible as far as the standings are concerned this was a big game because the Knicks could really put some distance between themselves and Toronto in the head-to-head meetings as far as the tiebreaker and things like that but also like we just mentioned Knicks are now six games up on the Toronto Raptors in the standings so This was a big game, and the Knicks played like it was a big game in that first half. Really came out firing. And listen, despite a great performance from Gary Trent Jr. from Toronto, Kyle Lowry had a pretty solid performance as well. 19 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals. I think people hate on that man a lot. He's still a really solid, really good NBA player. Chris Boucher had 17 and 14 rebounds. And Pascal Siakam, who is, again, is inefficient, but had 16 and 7 assists in the loss. The Knicks, listen, had a little bit of trouble in the third. Toronto kind of got let back into the game, but the Knicks recovered. And Julius Randle had another great night. 26 points, 11 of those coming from the free throw line where he did not miss. 
by the way. 11 of 11 from the free throw line. Crucial in the end. All 11 of those free throws were needed from Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett, fantastic. 19 points. Very efficient from the field as well. And then Reggie Bullock chipping in with a couple of threes. Nerlens Noel, one point shy of a double-double. And honestly, I thought Alfred Payton was, was solid as well. But then the bench, again, 11 points from Derrick Rose. Alec Burks had eight big points off the bench, although you expect a little bit more out of him. And despite a little bit of a lackluster game, he's had he's had him every once in a while from Emmanuel Quickly. The Knicks' defense won them this game in the fourth quarter, 102-96. to Massive. Arguably the biggest win of the week for the Knicks was this 102-96 win over the Toronto Raptors. For the standings, you know, to keep the momentum going after a gutsy win over Memphis, and then on top of that, to continue to keep themselves within, you know, arm's length away from the Toronto Raptors in the standings, and to get back to 500 overall, that's massive from the Knicks. No question about it. A gut check game, no question. And the division games down the stretch are going to be gut check games. They're going to be gut check games. The Knicks were up to the task. It was a really, really impressive win, I thought, from the Knicks. Absolutely. So again, the Knicks 2-0 on the week. Now the Lakers are in town. Now, to be fair, this is a very depleted Lakers team. No LeBron, no Anthony Davis. I mean, think just think about the guys that were on last year's team. Obviously, Rondo has moved on. You know, this is a totally different team. The Lakers, by the way, in this game against the Knicks, I mean, goodness, they played 13 guys. When was the last time in a meaningful game you saw the Lakers play that many guys? Very rarely. Now, to be fair, Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, Andre Drummond, Contavious Caldwell-Pope available. Markeith Morris as well. And four of the five starters were in double figures for the Lakers. So, again, the, this is a team that you know still should be winning games. And the Lakers are 33-21 and 21 going into this game. So you still, I should say 33 and 20 going into this game. So the Lakers expected to win. They expected to come in and beat the Knicks. And listen, they, geez, Frank Vogel really had to dip in to the bench. Let me tell you, five guys played 14 minutes or more off the bench for the Lakers in this game, but it wasn't enough. And again, listen, the Lakers came out, were competitive in the first half, but the Knicks had the lead going into halftime. This is what's been missing. And again, the Lakers were not anywhere near where they could be at some point this year if they get healthy. But the Knicks put the Lakers away in the third quarter. They really did. That 10-point swing in the third was crucial for the Knicks to then kind of not cruise through the fourth, but keep the Lakers within arm's length for the majority of the fourth quarter. And it's a convincing win in the end. 111-96, a very impressive win to make it three in a row. And again, that doesn't get rid of the stigma that the Knicks can't beat the best teams because no LeBron, no AD, you can't really say it. But much like the win at Milwaukee early in the season where the Bucks weren't at full strength, the Knicks not only won, they put them away. And I think we're convincing in the end. So again, they still have to get over that hump. 
but they made it three wins in a row against a Laker team that, yes, was not at full strength, but still expected to win because of who was still available and how deep they went into the bench. Because they played a lot of guys. You look at Montrez Harrell getting 15 minutes, Wesley Matthews had 17, Alex Caruso 15, Horton Tucker had 22, and Ben McLemore. These are all solid players. Getting a lot of time. Marcus Hall, I think, even played five minutes off the bench, as did Costas Antetokounmpo, Giannis's younger brother, played three minutes. So they really dipped into the bench here, but the Knicks were convincing. And the third quarter was a huge difference maker in the game. Knicks win at 111-96. Three wins in a row. And, and I think going into the New Orleans game, my thought, first of all, my thought was, I don't know when the last time the Knicks had a perfect week on doing this podcast was. I don't know. Knicks were 4-0 between podcasts this week. And that really only matters to me. And maybe maybe if you guys are keeping track, I, I, I hope you're not. It really doesn't matter. But <laughs> I don't know if the Knicks had been perfect between podcasts since I have been doing this. There's always been, I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but there's always like one loss in there where you're like, ah, all right, you know, but the Knicks were brought back down to earth. Knicks were riding high going into New Orleans. And I think even Jeff Van Gundy, or sorry, Stan Van Gundy, pardon me. When you listen to his pregame talk, and I listened to a lot of the first half on the radio, driving back from work. When you hear his thoughts on the radio, they had a little pregame presser with him. You can tell that he was, you knew he was in for a challenge. You could tell right away that he was, you know, how are we going to stop RJ? How are we going to stop Julius? You know, Bullock shooting it well, Burks quickly, Rose. He knew what, what, what he was up against. And nearly everybody I just listed, besides maybe RJ Barrett, brought their A game. Very even first half. You know, this is a very competitive game going into the fourth quarter. Very tight. Knicks, I think, had a three or four point lead going into the fourth. Knicks put them away. Defensively, halted New Orleans. And listen, you know, Zion got his 25. Brandon Ingram had 28. Najee Marshall, formerly of Xavier, by the way, nearly had a double-double. A double-double from Steven Adams. But I think overall, the, the Knicks really limited Zion, specifically in the fourth. And in the end, despite, you know, at times Zion being, you know, ridiculously good, he's going to have his moments. No one else exploded, really, besides him and Ingram. And that was the difference in the game. If you don't let the rest of the guys beat you and just let Zion and Ingram do what they do, you can beat New Orleans. And I think that's what Tom Thibodeau thought going in. If we can limit the rest of the group, the supporting cast, that's going to be the difference in the game. And James Johnson only had 13. Marshall had 14. Adams had 10. Nobody else in double figures. That's going to give you a chance to win. And listen, the Knicks needed a monster performance from Julius Randle. No question. 32 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Back to his all-star self in this game. Reggie Bullock was huge with 16 points. 4 of 7 from deep. And then the bench. Again, listen, Alfred Payton, mention him as well. 11 and 7 rebounds, 4 assists. But the bench was the difference in this game. 7 points from Emmanuel quickly. 4 points, 4, sorry, 11 points, 4 assists, 2 steals 
from Derrick Rose, and then the hero of the hour yet again in a big game for the Knicks, Alec Burks, 21 points off the bench, fourth quarter, he was critical, critical to the Knicks winning this game in the fourth quarter, made a big bucket early to kind of keep the Knicks momentum going from the fourth, from the third, where they kind of extended the lead a little bit. Then Zion kind of went to work, and then Alec Burks again made a huge three. I mean, watching the game in the second half and then looking back through what happened, Alec Burks' name is all over the place in the fourth. He made almost every big Nick shot in the fourth. Now listen, Julius Randle made a big step-back jumper with about four, maybe under four to go to give the Knicks an eight-point lead. But then guess who hit the shot with two minutes to go? That was a bit of a dagger, if you will, to make it a nine-point game. It was Alec Burks. And the, and the Pelicans never recovered from that shot. Taj Gibson had a nice dunk with about a minute to go to kind of seal it. And then Julius Randle put the icing on the cake with a few free throws with 35 seconds to go. But it was the Alec Burks show in the fourth. He hit four or five huge shots to put the Knicks over the top in a 116 106 win and a 4-0 and week for the surging New York Knicks, who are now 29-27 and and are looking good for not only the playoffs, but getting back on track to maybe pushing a team or two in these NBA playoffs. You gotta love it. And Coach Thibodeau, I'm gonna say this again before we take a break here. Tom Thibodeau is the coach of the year in the NBA. I don't want to hear any other arguments. I've looked around the league. It's Tom Thibodeau. Will you see the Knicks last year to where they are today? You cannot tell me that Tom Thibodeau isn't the coach of the year in the NBA. And he's proving it week in, week out. It's incredible what he's done with this team. He is the coach of the year. I don't want to hear any more arguments on this. I might even have a whole show on this because it's ludicrous some of the other names that are being thrown out there as possible contenders to Tom Thibodeau. I don't have time to do it this week. I wish I did, but I might spend an, I might spend next week's show fending off other contenders for coach of the year because it's Tom Thibodeau and I really don't think there's a close second. But we'll talk about that another time. We'll take a break here. When we come back, more Knicks talk, and we'll go stock up, stock down on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show, we'll get to stock up, stock down to finish the show. But first, more Knicks talk. Again, I, I maybe I'll check on this between shows. I don't know the last time the Knicks went perfect between Shock Shock Knicks podcasts. I don't know if that's happened. If you'd like to let me know at SJ7 on Twitter, posting and toasting.com, Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Those are the places to go to let me know if that actually happened. I'm thrilled about it. Knicks have gone from two games below 500 to two games above 500. They've righted the ship. They beat some quality teams this week. Again, probably none that. that, that you know, dissuade the, the, they haven't beat 
the best teams notion because they haven't beaten Brooklyn. They haven't beaten Philly. You know, they beat the Bucks, but again, you know, one of those wins was not with the Bucks at full strength. You know, they, they've won at Boston, but it's not a banner year for the Celtics. That's for sure. So it's, it's one of those things where the Knicks have gotten some good wins. No question. They've gotten some good wins this season. Golden State away. Like they've had some good wins, but they haven't beaten the best teams. They've not beaten the teams at full strength, at least that are at the top of the standings. They've, they've played them all close, you know, but they haven't beaten them. And that's where, you know, the next, the next obstacle to clear comes for the New York Knicks. But now looking ahead, because I do want to briefly touch on this. This is a big, you know, kind of crucial stretch here for the Knicks. And listen, they all are. I, I say that, I feel like I say that every week when we go over this, the upcoming stuff, but Right now, the Knicks are in sixth place, a half game behind Boston for fifth, and a game and a half, by the way, back of the still surging Atlanta Hawks, who are now in fourth. And by the way, the Pelicans, I'm sorry, not the Pelicans, the Hornets have plummeted. You know, they they were, I think, were they fourth? I think they were. They were fourth last week. They've lost three in a row. They're now in eighth. And I don't know how quickly they can turn things around. They, they, they're dealing with injuries. They've gotten some tough luck this season. They're going to be a good team in the future, I think. No question about it. But the Hornets are, are starting to fall out of it a little bit. And they're giving the Pacers a bit of life here to maybe move up in the standings. But for right now, just strictly talking Knicks here. Knicks have won four in a row. They're in the sixth spot. They're feeling good. They can still make some some more ground up here. They're probably not making up six games to get to the three spot. I don't see that happening. But they're only a game and a half back of the Hawks in fourth and a half game back of Boston in sixth, which is why the games upcoming are huge for the Knicks. Dallas on the Friday away from home. I feel like that would be a statement win for the Knicks. It feels like a game that if the Knicks could get to go to five wins in a row 30th win of the season by the way been a while since we've said that about a Knicks team but if they can get that 30th win against Dallas after what they just did to Memphis with that crazy shot at the end and maybe you know kind of drop the Mavericks back down to earth a little bit that's when you make a statement victory against a team that's at full strength pretty much they're rolling at the moment. They're just coming off a high of a buzzer-beating win. That's when you kind of think, can the Knicks maybe smack them back down to earth and put another statement win out there and say, no, we can beat the best teams. We can beat them at full strength. Then comes a crucial juncture in the Knicks season. We've talked about this multiple times on the podcast, but it's now in front of us. After the Dallas game, the Knicks have six straight home games. All of them crucial, by the way. New Orleans, Charlotte, Atlanta, Toronto, Phoenix, Chicago. A mix of teams in the playoff hunt in the East. Charlotte, Atlanta, Toronto, Chicago. With Western playoff contenders. New Orleans, who's still trying to stay in it. And Phoenix, who looks like right now could be one of the best teams in the West, if not the best team. So this is a crucial stretch for the Knicks, 
but also one where they can really get a lot of things done. Try to secure a playoff spot, but also proving some of the doubters wrong that they can contend once they get to the playoffs. And the other reason this is huge is that six-game homestand is followed by a six-game road trip where they go to Houston, Memphis again, Phoenix, before that Denver in the middle of that Memphis-Phoenix run, then the Clippers, the Lakers to finish out that six-game homestand, sorry, six-game road trip after the six-game homestand, and then three huge home games to finish the regular season. San Antonio at home, Charlotte again at home, and then Boston at home, which could be for playoff seeding, depending on where those two teams end up in the middle of May. Those could end up being huge, huge games for the Knicks who, to be fair, could have a playoff spot well and truly wrapped up before they get back home for that three-game homestand. It's very possible. But they could be trying to fight, who knows, to stay out of that bottom four, that seven through ten area, because you want to be in the top six, if you can help it, going into the playoffs. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But this, obviously the Dallas game is huge because you want to make a statement, but then that six-game homestand, all six matter. All six of those games matter for the Knicks, because then the six on the road are all very difficult. Very, very tough stretch on the road. The Knicks are playing basically every two days on the road for that West Coast swing. So very tough, very tough end to the season for the Knicks, no question, but also one filled with opportunities for the Knicks to not only close out a playoff spot, but make some statements that they could be hanging around when we get to the NBA playoffs. So it's exciting. It's very exciting. Let me know what you guys think about the stretch, how the Knicks going to do as we get towards the end of the regular season. We are a month, just over a month away. By the time you listen to this podcast, actually, we will be a month away from the end of the regular season. It's the home stretch. And I'm looking forward to see how the Knicks handle it down the stretch in the regular season going into hopefully what could be a fun playoff run we'll have to see all right let's do nba stock up stock down to finish off this week's podcast Ooh, let's start in the west let's keep the tension going a little bit i know some people are, are the knicks gonna be in there what do you think what's it you know who's gonna be that team he goes with in the east let's start in the west because i feel like this is you know one of the easier weeks for this uh in the west i i I feel like i feel like there's only two options uh here for for stock down but only one option for stock up listen stock up is easy this week i i feel like in the west it's easy in the west and the east will get there in the west there's really only one team to go with here and for me it's the la clippers we have barely mentioned them at times this season, but they're trucking along 39 and 18. And they're only three games back of those Utah Jazz who are 41 and 14. They're holding strong at the top of the standings. By the way, really quick, because because they've continued to do it. So I got to give them credit. The Utah Jazz at home have been almost unstoppable this season. They've played 28 home games. The Utah Jazz they're 25 and three 
at home this season. That's by far the best record in the West, and it's the best record in the NBA. Second best are the 21-5 and five Philadelphia 76ers, who have just been dominant at home as well, but not as dominant as those Utah Jazz, who at the moment, again, they're... The lead's only a game and a half on the Suns for top spot, but if they keep playing the way they're playing, I I think the Utah Jazz are going to snag that number one seed. I really do. It's very possible. And what's also amazing is that it's probably not going to be the Lakers, and it's definitely, sorry, not going to be the Clippers, and it's definitely not going to be the Lakers. It's remarkable that we're likely going to see either a Jazz top seed or a Suns top seed this year. But Donovan Mitchell for the Jazz and Chris Paul along with Aiton and company for the Suns. It's just been remarkable. They've had phenomenal, phenomenal seasons. And I can't wait to see what they bring in the playoffs. But for now, this is stock up, stock down. I'm giving it to the Clippers. They've won seven in a row, eight of their last 10. They're rolling. They're back close to the form we expected to see at the beginning of the season. And again, they're a team that can kind of afford to go through a couple of slumps. No question about it. To be fair, they did almost slip up in their last game, but they got bailed out on a Reggie Jackson game winner in Detroit to win it 198 and keep this winning streak going. Because overall, the winning streak's been impressive. They've clobbered the Lakers. They've clobbered the Trailblazers. They beat the Suns. They clobbered the Rockets. They beat the Pistons earlier in the week. They went to Indiana. They won by double figures. And then they, you know, cut the hearts out of Detroit fans everywhere with that Reggie Jackson buzzer beater if you will to make it seven in a row and their only loss i should say their two losses in the middle of this uh, of this run uh, before the seven game winning streak were to the nuggets no shame there and we fair not great losing at home to the magic but they've definitely righted the ship since then and before that they beat the sixers they beat the bucks and they beat the spurs on the road twice along with a win in atlanta so overall including those two losses in that stretch. They've won 13 of their last 15 games, the Clippers. 13 of their last 15, if you go all the way back here. So the Clippers are rolling at the moment. And they've gotten right back into the number one seed hunt. They've given themselves some distance between themselves and the Lakers. They're four games up on the Lakers at the moment and a game and a half back of the phoenix suns for second place in the west and for top spot in the pacific division so for me it was easy the clippers are definitely the the stock up in the west this week they're starting to get they're starting to round into form while the lakers are are, are trying to tread water at the moment without lebron and without ad and and my thing is, if LeBron gets back, it might be what you know. Depending on when he gets back, it might be too late for for the Lakers to right the ship. It's going to be interesting to see if they're able to pull this out. And again, Anthony Davis's timetable is not looking good at the moment either. So we'll have to see what happens with the Lakers. But right now, the Clippers are surging, and it'll be interesting to see how long they can keep this up with with one month about left to go in the regular season. Stock down. There's two options. I'm going to go with the Thunder. Thunder and the, by the way, the Thunder have lost eight in a row, right? And they're my stock down because they've lost nine of their last 10. The team that just missed out here are the Sacramento Kings, who have also lost eight in a row, but they've lost only eight of their last 10. And basically that's what I'm going on at the moment. The Thunder have plummeted 
after a really, you know, not impressive start, but but I, they looked like they were going to prove me wrong again. I, I had the Thunder again at the bottom of the West. It's two years running, by the way. Last year, they totally proved me wrong. They got the sixth spot, I believe, fifth or sixth spot. Last, I think it was the fifth, actually. They, they, they lost to the Rockets in the 4-5 first round. So they, they proved me wrong last year. They're getting closer to proving me right this year. Again, they probably won't finish with the worst record because the Rockets are awful and the Timberwolves somehow are worse. But OKC has fallen off a cliff over the last couple of weeks. No question about that. Pretty stunning, honestly. I, I did not expect it to happen as quickly as it has. But Really, you, you just got to look at one thing. It's it's their defensive stats here. They've given up 140, 133, 132, 129, 147 points during this losing streak to the Suns, Blazers, Pistons, Cavaliers, and Warriors. So again, they, they've had some tough games in their losing to the Suns, the Blazers, the Sixers, the Jazz, and maybe the Warriors, but... They've also lost to a downward spiraling Hornets team, a really bad Pistons team, and a Cavs team that had like a really good couple of months and then just plummeted off the face of the earth. So the Thunder are in free fall at the moment. They were okay for a while, right? I mean, they were 20 and 27 before this streak happened and they'd just beaten the Raptors at home. So they weren't out of it by any stretch, really. But since then, they've totally fallen out of the playoff hunt, and they look like one of the worst teams in the West all of a sudden, out of almost nowhere, really. So the so OKC, you know, and again, they, they've been, you know, signing, they signed Gabriel Deck the other week, trying to just kind of fill it in right now at the moment. It, it's, it's not looking good right now in OKC. And in the end, the tiebreaker is overall, just these last couple of weeks they can't defend and they can't as they as they say can't stop a nosebleed at the moment not much else i can say as you can see i'm i'm struggling to find the words for how bad okc has been there's their huge stock down this week's closely followed by a team i really thought would be in it down the stretch and again can't say they're out of it they're only five games back of a playoff spot but sacramento has basically played themselves out of the playoffs with this stretch i don't think they're going to be able to make up the ground on san antonio who currently have the final playoff spot in the west in the east stock down this week i could pick the low-hanging fruit right i could go with the pistons who have been really struggling but i gotta go with the bulls the bulls all of a sudden maybe not out of nowhere right i think some of us well, I don't know. I mean, they they really went for it, right, at the trade deadline. But all of a sudden, they've lost four in a row after winning three in a row, including beating the Nets, by the way, at home. So get, right, they, here's the conundrum, right? The Bulls had just gone through a pretty bad losing streak. They'd lost six in a row, all to pretty good teams, besides maybe with the exception, the Cavaliers. But they went on a really tough stretch against West Coast teams, and then the Cavs were thrown in there lost six in a row but then they rebounded well beating the Nets the Pacers and the Raptors two of which on the road but now they've lost four in a row they lost at Atlanta they lost at Minnesota lost at Memphis and then just lost at home to the Magic and then on top of that 
have just lost Zach Levine to injury. So the Bulls are in trouble here. The Bulls all of a sudden, after kind of going for it at the trade deadline, just lost their leading scorer, who's going to miss several games going into the health and safety protocols. And now, they got to deal with him. They got to deal with this losing streak without him, and they're in free fall at the moment, the Bulls. They're, they're in some big trouble now because they've lost ground on Indiana. They've lost ground in the playoff hunt. And if they keep on, like, they've got some tough games coming down the pike here, including the one on Friday, as you listen to this podcast, they will play Memphis at home. That's a big game all of a sudden. The Bulls are clinging to the last playoff spot. They're only a game up now on the Raptors. And after, you know, looking like they could make up some ground in Indiana, they're now four games back of the Pacers for the nine spot. So the, the Bulls are in a little bit of trouble right now. I think free fall, I said earlier, probably a stretch. But coupled with the fact that Zach Levine is now out in health and safety protocols for at least a couple of games here, this could go into a big, big telling point in the Bulls' season. And while the Knicks are playing well, the Celtics are playing well, the Hawks are playing well, and to be fair, the Heat and the Hornets are not, but the Pacers just got back in the win column the other night. Bulls are in a little bit of trouble here. And the and listen, everyone below the Bulls, besides the Pistons who are well out of it, won! So the teams are making up ground. And by the way, don't look now, but the Washington Wizards are only one game back of the final playoff spot. Russell Westbrook is keeping the Wiz kids in this thing. They've won two in a row. So it's the, the playoff hunt for the last spot in the East is really tightening up between the Bulls, the Raptors, and the Wizards. And I'm, I'm just saying this now. I don't think they're going to be in this hunt. But the Cavs are only two games back. So again, like it's not over yet in the East. Not by a long shot. But the, the, the Bulls have opened the door here for a really interesting race to the 10 spot. They really have. It's unbelievable how quickly this has developed over the last week. So it's, yeah, stock down on the Bulls. They've really opened themselves up here for a tight race down the stretch because of this losing streak and then the fact that Zach Levine's not going to be playing for a little bit here for Chicago as well. Stock up. Who am I going to go with? Really, there was two teams. There's two teams here that I have to choose from. The Boston Celtics have won four in a row. They're kind of starting, you know, kind of starting to figure things out again. They've won seven of their last ten. Where do I go with the Knicks? Who had been struggling a little bit, had lost some tight games to some good teams. Who do I go with? It's a tough call. And to be fair, during their four-game winning streak, the Celtics did beat the Knicks. But this is a Knicks podcast, and we don't have it, folks. I'm going with the Knicks. Stock up on the New York Knicks. And really, for me, and again, I went against the stats a little bit here, and I'm biased, but also because of this simple thing. All four of the Knicks wins were quality wins, The Celtics had to sneak a little Timberwolves win in there. I don't know. Hey, you know, lowers the quality of it a little bit. 
But for me, the big difference maker is the Knicks defense throughout the week. Obviously, the Memphis game is a bit of an exception, but I think the Knicks tiebreaker there on the defensive end gives it to them on the stock up. But again, you got to buy stock on both of these teams. Both teams are back on the rise a little bit, but I think I'm going to go with the Knicks. I wasn't sure when I was going to do it, if at all, this year, but the Knicks have won four in a row. We've talked about it. I'm going to say buy some stock in the New York Knicks because this is a team that's not going to go away as we hit the climax of the season and the penultimate regular season games. And then we'll see if they can prove that they could beat some quality teams down the stretch. Could be buying some playoff stock in the Knicks as well. We'll have to see how that pans out. Knicks are still within half a game of Boston in the division and obviously in the coveted race for playoff seating in the East. Knicks are only a half game back of that five spot. And again, they're gaining a bit on the Hawks as well. Knicks are only a game and a half back of Atlanta for that fourth spot as well. And then obviously the the Bucks, the Nets, and the Sixers are battling it out for the top three seeds as well. So very interesting stuff that we're going to be looking at down the stretch. But for right now, the Knicks are surging and we'll see how they do against Dallas and then the start of this big six-game homestand for the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Have a great week. See you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.